Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello and welcome back to Ayers on the Road. No, not, not hello, cheerio. Cheerio. Or cheers, cheers, <laughs> welcome Welcome to, I was going to try a British accent, but I'm, Don't like, do it. I'm Don't not going to do it. No, but um, we are, as you might guess, delighted to be back in our home country, uh, second home country of England, because we got get to go to Wimbledon tomorrow, which will be fantastic. Well, and we're we're that that's almost a sidelight, Linda. We're we're just so glad to be back here because we have we lived in England for I always say five years, but it's really more like four because we were here for three years being mission leaders in our church over the London area. Six hundred young men and women served their missions here while we were here. We love every one of them. Although I'd be hard-pressed to remember their names at this point. Um, they, well, <laughs> some of them we have, we've kept in touch with, but um, we were kind of kids ourselves in those days. It was, get this, 19... Ooh, I like how you twanged that. You're like, we were kind of kids ourselves back then. <laughs> I was just off the farm. <laughs> <laughs> That's just about true. Um, but we were here from 1976 to 79. Oh, my gosh. That, that was a really, long that time really ago. really dates us, doesn't it? That was our introduction to we were jolly old England. Linda was 28, and I say 28, when we were called. We get a calling in our church. Those of you who are not of our same faith tradition, I, I it's always fun to tell people about missionary work when they're not familiar with the LDS Church because it's pretty unique. I, I mean, I I served as a young missionary at age nineteen in New York City for two years. Came back home, uh, finished undergraduate school, met this beautiful girl named Linda Jacobson as undergraduates. Took me two and a half years to talk her into marrying me, and then our honeymoon was off to graduate school in Boston to Harvard Business School and. Then we went out into the big world and began to do things and had a real interest in politics and had a management consulting company. And before you know it, we were, well, I mean, it came about as a real shock to us. In fact, as you recall, Linda, <laughs> I don't know if you were fully on board with it, but we were seriously gearing up to run for the U S Congress. And, uh, I had come back to Utah from Washington, D.C., where we, we had come back, where we had started a political consulting firm. We came back to Utah to, to run a, a mayor of Salt Lake, Jake Garn. He ran for the Senate, and we planned and managed his campaign, and he got elected. And suddenly, we kind of had some IOUs within the party, and, and we were able, we thought, to get the nomination to run for Congress if we wanted. So we were gearing up, getting ready, thinking about it, making a final decision, and then bam, these things, this is hard to understand if you're not in our in our church, because we were asked to come in and visit with a member of what we call the First Presidency, a wonderful man named Nathan Eldon Tanner, and 
after a lot of small talk and us wondering why we were there, <laughs> he asked a very telling question. He said, what would happen to your consulting business, Brother Iyer, if you were to leave it for three years? And I had no idea what he was. I mean, that gave me a little clue because mission presidents or mission leaders serve for three years. But I didn't have a good answer. I said, well, it, it would collapse. I'm the principal. If I if I leave, I guess the company would fold up or we'd have to fold it up. And he just took a deep breath and went right ahead and called us to serve. And as you recall, honey, we didn't know at the beginning where we were going to go. That's no. another the thing that's no, we don't know for several months, yeah. like forever. At the time, we had no idea. And when we got the call, wow, I was blown away. I was so excited because I love travel anyway, but I had never been overseas. I'd been never been off of North to South America. And um, it was so exciting to me. I was beyond, beyond happy. Well, but let's back up a little and say that, like you mentioned, honey, for six months, we knew we were going somewhere leaving the, that coming summer, but we didn't know where. It could have been anywhere in the world. Um, there were some rumors that we were going to Washington, D.C., because that's where we had lived, and we had a lot of contacts there, and we were familiar, and we kind of thought maybe that's where we'd go. So when they announced or told us that we were going to London, we were it had never crossed our minds. No, it was really quite amazing. And the fact that we had four little children yeah. and the oldest was not quite five. That's right. Was uh, pretty amazing. Maybe she was five. I should figure that out. But anyway. No, let's was... see. She was born in 1970. Right. And we left in 76. Yeah, she had just, she turned... just turned five. Well, no, she was about to turn six because she was born in 1970. So in well, 76. So she was five. She yeah. was fine. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Probably not interested in that. Well, anyway. but I mean, the <laughs> point is, they were four pretty little kids. They were little kids. So we had a baby who turned one just after we got there. And then we had, uh, you know, five, three, two and a half, something like that. And anyway. two more were born in England. So we came out with four and we went home with six. Those two boys are proud British citizens to this day. They've had joint passports all their lives and they're pretty British. In fact, the oldest one of those two, or the youngest one of those two, married a Swiss woman. He now has a U.S. passport, a British passport, and a Swiss passport. He never needs a visa. He could go anywhere in the world. Right, you know, <laughs> and in those days, if you were born in England, you just got a you know, British yeah, passport. You didn't have to make a fabulous. choice. You could have both. And so they have loved it. And actually, uh, one of them served in England and came, came back, back and served his, as a missionary in England. Then yeah. went to Brazil. But we want to get anyway. to we want to get to why we love England. But that's just a little background on how we got here the first time. And those three years were incredible. They were just they they were life changing for us. Yes, they they, they were. were they were a pivot. They were a fulcrum. They were a shift of the of the greatest magnitude. We we've, we've never really talked a lot about this, but. You know, it was those three years that shifted our focus from politics, wanting to, to spend our life in politics, or me wanting to, Linda, sort of <laughs> wondering if we okay. should. Always so glad <laughs> if we lose. Yeah. Anyway. But the idea that 
that what, what we learned, I'm going to say this, then you elaborate on it, honey, because I, I'm, I may make it too strong, but what we learned with those 600 young people that we supervised over those three years is that everything about them, virtually everything, their best qualities, their their worst qualities, their problems, their assets, their liabilities, everything. You, you, if you talk to them long enough, and we talked a lot to them because you you interview these young people regularly, and everything can be traced back to their family. I mean, it was just amazing. And that just kept multiplying in our minds how family really is the foundation of people's lives and starts them off in one direction or another and is so relevant to the rest of their lives. And and gradually, I don't think we just made it all at once, but by the time we came home, we had decided that our cause was not politics. Our cause was families. Right. And I, as even as you say that, I realize that as some of our very best missionaries came from wonderful families, and a couple of our really best missionaries came from really hard families who decided that was not going to be their story. Yeah, they went the other direction. They went the other direction. But I do have to say that our children were around those missionaries all the time. The missionaries loved them, and the and of course the children loved the missionaries. But it was such a blessing to us that we did not even realize until many years later, because all of our children ended up serving as missionaries, because I think they knew more about yeah, they, what they, that they, what that meant to them yeah. and what what it involved and the great joy that they felt and the spirit that was always in our house. I just think was a huge factor. I, I never thought. I mean, I've never really thought of that as cause and effect, but I really think that it probably was. And you know, I was just on a little run over around a little park. We're stay we're actually staying in Epsom in Surrey right now, which is right down the street from where we lived. Right. I like we drove past our home today. Yeah. And we just love this little town. And I just came back from a, a little run around Rosebury Park, a little little grassy park where I taught our children to ride their bikes. And, and right next to that little park is a, a little Church of England school called St. Martin's School. Right. And I where... walked the, the babies to school in a pram with the pram, stuck the baby in the pram, and the other little kids followed behind. But we took the older kids to school. And all all the mums. All, all the, the mums were there. Yeah. Mom, the moms, the mums walk their kids to school in England. Still do. Every day. Still yes. do. Yeah. The ones who can't. And that was just a beautiful little school. I started off every morning with Bible stories. Our our children came home from those three years knowing more about the Bible than probably we did. Yes, that was another thing. And Old Testament as well as New yeah. Testament. It was Church of England schools, which um, is, is they're like amazing. our public schools. Yeah, yeah, they're like our public schools. And so it was that was a delightful part as well. So they came home after three years knowing all the Bible stories and having total British accents. Our little kids were just, in fact, Sadie, I don't know how, but hers was a heavy kind of a Cockney accent. (laughs) Well, we don't know where she got that. Our little girl that came in and helped helped out on that. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. (laughs) But anyway, it really was just astonishing what we all learned from that, that you don't expect when you go into it. You think, oh, my gosh, can we do this? This 
is this going to work? And and it works differently than you think, but it, it works. Does. It know? does. And I, I the, the word that came to mind as I was running today, honey, through these familiar places is halcyon. Those were halcyon days. Yes. Now, I, now that's in our memory. I, I bet if we could actually go back there, there were there were a lot of hard, hard things. I mean. Oh. It was it was an exhausting when you have at any one time between 200 and 250, 19 and 20 year olds that you're in charge of. You're going to have excitement every day. Absolutely. And I think about being 29 and trying to feed, you know, 18 missionaries when they, As they come came in, in and they yeah. go out and, yeah. and when and and so many meetings, so many things going on, so many babies with cold baths in the sinks and in restrooms in the churches. and. And I remember thinking when we first got here, oh, three years is a long time. How can I do this? To your credit, you always came along. I mean, you could have said, hey, I've got the babies. I'll stay home. But you came and the missionaries loved to see you. They loved to see the kids. The kids often performed and sang and did other things. Well, not at every meeting. Well, no, but but when they. But we did at Christmas time and it was really wonderful experience but you know, when the phone rang you never you never knew i mean i had a fear of the phone this is before cell phones so the landline in the mission home where we lived would ring and you just hope for the best and i want one <laughs> example comes to mind <laughs> yeah i answered one night and one of the missionaries said president Iyer, my companion is unconscious what should i do and i said well elder what what happened to him and he said, I, uh, I, I, I punched him and knocked him out. <laughs> and you just never knew what would get to happen during the day. But by and large, what a thrilling, what does it see these young men and women grow and become proficient, not only in knowing the gospel of Jesus Christ, but teaching it to other people in a beautiful way. It, it was, it was miraculous. It was, it was an amazing time. So let's take a little break, and then we're just reminiscing today, but we're going to get to some lessons we learned from that three-year experience and tell you a little more about why we love this green and pleasant land. Are you saying we're doing three-year lessons today? No, no. Three-letter lessons. Oh, good point. Three-letter lessons and three-year lessons. Um, But we'll be right back after a little break, and we'll talk a little more about England and why it meant so much and still does to us and so much going on here right now so hang on we'll be right back welcome back to Ayers on the road here's richard and linda Iyer. and so we're back um talking about england today um if most of you were at the first half, or you wouldn't be listening to the second half. But kind of a nice time to come back to England. We've we've been back. Is. I don't know, probably twenty twenty five times. We, we can't we can't time. stay away. But it's an auspicious time to come back because hey, we got a new king. We do have a new king. Wow, we were here during all the whole stuff. Um, not the Diana. I think we'd gone home by the time she was killed in a car crash, but. Has so much stuff going on at the royal family all the time. But wow, to see the respect and love that the people have for the royalty, mainly, I mean, the ones that we knew, obviously there's opposition, speaking of the opposition, 
party. Um, there's opposition in all things, but it is delightful to there's see. There's real opposition they... in the House of Commons. I mean, if you want an entertainment, don't go to the U.S. Congress or the Senate. Go to the House of Parliament, and you will you will hear some rowdy people yelling and screaming and opposing and so on. It's quite amazing. It is really amazing. And I'm a monarchist, Linda. You know that. I I think the royal the king or the queen plays an important part in the u.s the president is sort of the symbolic leader as well as the actual political leader and that makes it hard in england you got the working guy the prime minister doing the doing the stuff down in the trenches and the ceremonial stuff is the king or the queen and that and that works actually it does really work we as you might imagine even though we have been gone for 40 years we were glued to the TV that four or five hours. Maybe it was oh, more. King Charles. When King Charles took over because we lived the life while we were here with them. And, uh, you know, so much has happened, so much in that family that it was delightful. But not just because of the family, but because the, I don't know, I love the regalia, the, all the. Oh, the ceremony. Know, the pomp. But the pomp no and circumstance. No one does it like the British. No one does it. And you think, oh, what a waste. But, you know, the, the spirit <laughs> of those people on the tra trail along there waving. And then uh, to the end, they it was loyalty. just absolutely astonishing because so, there had been so many hard things that had happened to this new king. Now, um, you may say, well, why, why have you been back so often? Well, we, can't, we, we had a daughter. Well, three of our nine children went here to serve their two-year missions as young people. And then uh, we had a daughter that lived here for six years, six years and, and so had four, ba four four babies here. Four of her, so we her children all born here. Them, yeah. And of course, we come to Wimbledon whenever we get a chance. But there just seems to be we've had some speeches to give here and different things. And if somebody wants us to come and speak in England, we just say yes. We don't even think about it. We don't even look at the calendar. We'll just we'll just be there, you know. Yeah, so, I, I do have to say that Wimbledon is such a privilege because it is so hard to get in. And <laughs> we are not, we're not, we did not spend uh, some people $100,000 to get in. We won, we the, won lottery. the lottery. We, every year we just send in this thing saying, yes, we want tickets. And uh, of course, a million people do the same thing. And who do you think won? And uh, actually... I won. It was I won uh, two <laughs> tickets. So um, the other tickets that we have are not grand, just ground tickets. But we do have some nice tickets on the quarterfinals. So we are pretty excited about that. You know what's interesting today, too, Linda, is the, the memory, the human memory, I think is more than human. I think it's somehow built around. We have a friend who think rocks have memory and that memory exists in the earth and so on. And I'm telling you. We were driving around today, driving around some of the places where we used to spend time, and things came back to us that are unbelievable, like the nice. the name of the office house where our office was, and the the street number, and the the street where our nanny lived. I mean, and, and the this unbelievable. You just <laughs> drive past something, and I remember this guy, and I remember that guy, and I remember their name, and I remember where they lived, and. I, I could no more think of those things at home than fly to the moon. Well, but um, your memory is better than mine. No, I, I did remember a couple of things that I was astonished at, but you you have a great memory that just keeps popping up when you need it. 
But um, it really is such a delight when you go back in time and have those wonderful memories of things that happened. Um, and, and I've been reflecting, why are all our memories so good? I mean, why do we remember the good things that happened and sort of basically forget the hard times a little bit? I just, I think it's an interesting thing because w- what was happening during those three years is that we were getting up every day and doing what we believe is really important. I mean, we were helping these young people help other people. And I mean, really, we we had a real service orientation. We had we had the missionaries uh, trained or, or tried to teach them that they were just there to be Christ-like. And being Christ-like means you serve people in any way you can. And if you say, hey, would would you like to learn more about our our church? And they say, no. Well, would you like to? We have some insights to to Christ we'd like to share with you. And they say, no. And if you say, well, we 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 have some our our church does pretty well with families. Our divorce rate among those married in our temples is very low, and and uh, we we'd love to tell you about how we do families, how we do family home evenings, how we how we try to focus on finding our ancestors and linking ourselves and so on. Would you be interested in that? Well, no, no. And after and and we tried to train these missionaries to to keep going. Well, is there anything we can do for you around here? Do you do you do you, does your garden need mowing? Do you is there any service we can give you? And some of our missionaries, Linda, thinking back, they got so good at that, and they really felt like they were there to serve and to help, and they would give whatever people would take. Yeah, and it wasn't a manipulation. They just really no, wanted they, to help. They really, really, really good. So I think we were involved in that every day, and I think that just made it a halcyon day, a pleasant time, a time when, you know, when else in your life are you going to be able to get up and spend all day, every day, serving people, right? helping other people? Well, and I think we have learned so much since then. In those 40 years, we were really young. Yeah. And when we look back, we kind of regret that we didn't instruct the missionaries to first ask questions. And learn all they could. Learn yeah. all they yeah. could about I heard a woman the other day who uh, was a wonderful missionary, and she said she would. She was in England, and she'd knock on doors and say, "Would you like to hear a message about Jesus Christ?" And they would say, "Well, no." They said, "Well, what church do you belong to?" And they'd say, "Well, Church of England." Well, do you go to church? And they said, "No." She said, "Well, do you want to know what your church believes?" <laughs> and she she had really done a lot of research yeah. on what they believe and there were a lot of wonderful things that they did believe well of course but there were some things that we believed that were maybe even better and she had so many converts because of that because she was so interested in what they were interested in i'm her. not sure about telling them what they believe but well, no yeah. i mean they she'd done the homework yeah she so she could ask the, the right questions believed and right, they had right. no idea they're like oh really? is that what i believe <laughs> um but you know there's little things like that you think well maybe not little kind of big things yeah um of how important it is to be interested in the other person is more than get them interested in you and if you are not a uh member, if you're not familiar with the the LDS faith tradition, we should probably, I mean, it is fascinating because the young missionaries go similar to how we do. They get a call. They don't know where they'll be called to. We just had a granddaughter who 
was just called on, on to serve a mission in Sydney, Australia, Mandarin speaking. We have another granddaughter who's in the most awful part of Chile. I shouldn't say <laughs> that. I mean, climate-wise, it's just a desert. Oh, it never rains and so on. But she loves it. She loves well, everything just about slums, it. Just desperate slums and those people she loves so much. Yeah. It was. It's an amazing experience. And then, you know, Chile is a really long, really long. <laughs> so she's been like 45 hours on buses going back and forth. But wow, she's she she having got transferred up near Peru, and she's a lot happier now because there's a little rainfall. Well, happier with the weather for sure. And they have olives there, which is not her favorite. Food. It's the <laughs> olive capital of South America. Anyway, what anyway. a delight to hear from these kids though, who are carrying on this tradition. And they aren't all doing that, our grandchildren, but the ones that choose to are just doing so amazingly well. So it is such an act of faith. And, and we run into people all over the world who do somewhat similar things they'll take a break year or they'll travel for a year or they'll they'll join the peace corps or they'll join teach for america and there's lots of things you can do that it, and there's a lot of studies that show when young people do something sort of between high school and college or after maybe one year of university and do a study abroad or do something that breaks it up and gets them out where they see the bigger world and so on it's pretty neat and we just think this is an extreme case of that, where our young people in, in our church go for 18 months or two years, right in that critical time period, and they go and they serve, and they it's, it's hard, and they learn a language if they're in a foreign language-speaking country, and they, they come home, I think, in general, I'm thinking now of our all the ones we worked with and of our own children, they come home vastly more prepared to, to know what they want to major in in college or to know what they want to do for a profession, to sort of have their priorities in order about what matters and and to to get on with really the biggest decisions of their life usually come right after they get home. Yeah, it really is. There's nothing quite like it. And I I do think it's it's a little... It's so interesting to think about what, coming home on the plane with those little kids when we've oh, been here for three years. Three years because we didn't go home. You don't go home. You stay. You, you stay, stay there boundaries for the for whole three, three years. years. Probably and, the longest we've ever stayed in one place. Right. So our oldest little daughter was eight, and she had just been baptized. We're bad. They're baptized when they're eight in our church, and and so um, <laughs> on the way, she started thinking like, well. Dad, who's the queen who, of America? Who's who's the queen of America? Yeah, and she said in her very British, yeah, accent. very very British accent. Oh, there's no queen in America. And she, I wish you could have seen her face. She looked at me with his biggest eyes, and she said, "No queen." And she put her little hands on her hips and thought for a minute, and her kind of eyes rolled back, and she said, "Well, then, who do they have on their pound notes?" <laughs> they have so they were so funny and she is in a perfect she can still do the night before christmas perfect british accent but unfortunately as soon as they went back to school they went back to just a plain old american language um accent and it really i mean it was kind of sad to see it go but it it was a really such a huge blessing to our family in those days 
You know, we almost went to a cathedral today. We we love to go to British cathedrals. We love to go to big cathedrals anywhere in the world. And I remember one experience. That we, you know, if you think hard about it, you remember some negative or some concerning experiences we had. And we, I remember early on our mission time here, some of our young missionaries saying, "Oh, those cathedrals! They're so." They're so cold inside there, and they speak they the services in, in Latin, and people can't even understand. They're, they're just having these critical thoughts, and I remember just getting a hold of those missionaries and saying, "People gave their lives to build this edifice to God. They so they, magnificent. It, it's mag to have the music they do. They're honoring what they believe God to be, and they're doing it in a profound way, and." I, I hope we taught the missionaries that. I hope, and of course, many of them already knew that and understood it. But what a powerful thing. It ties into the the book we talked about last time, last episode on creating unity and not having division among us and finding the things we have in common rather than the things we have that, that are different. Oh, absolutely. Boy, the time flew, Linda. We, we could go on for hours talking about our love for England. We're glad to be here this week. We're glad we get a chance to talk to you. Next episode, we'll have just returned home and we'll have some more thoughts about England. And hopefully, Iyer's on the road. We'll be Iyer's in the air and then we'll just carry on. And thanks for listening to us reminisce a little hopefully it's been as enjoyable for you as it has for us um we do love england but and if you haven't been here you've got a great treat in store thank you for being with us for bearing with us and for sharing this love that we have for this country and we will see you next time on Iyer's on the road bye till then bye